pray for us that the word of the Lord may have free course. That's what we need. We need liberty to be able to get the word out. Amen? Uh, we're fixing to make it a crime, uh, making it illegal to be a Bible believer and a witness for Jesus. Uh, and eventually, according to Revelation 20, it results in capital punishment. Millions and millions of Christians' blood throughout church history has been shed because they stood for the book. They rejected the Roman Catholic Mass, and they rejected the Roman Catholics' teaching of baptism. And multitudes, like Anabaptists, they cut their heads off and stuck them on post. One city, they lined the highway. Every so many feet, they had a head of an Anabaptist on it that believed that after you got saved, you followed believers' baptism. And because they rejected baptism and regeneration, they would cut their heads off. And uh, for the witness of Jesus, amen, they, they lost their head. And for the word of God. And what we need is the word of God to have free course. Joe Biden, this past week, just made a comment uh, that the LGBT, I hate the way that all goes, but the lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, they're fixing to put Q on a queer and P pedophilia. Uh, that's what they're trying to strive for, make pedophilia uh, uh, a right to molest your children. That's how perverted and sick and twisted they are. They got a group called NAMBA, which is National Association of Man-Boy Lovers Association. Uh, and I'm telling you, it's wicked. And these men are trying to parade around the streets saying, we want you little boys, we want you little boys, and give them to us. That's why they just came out. Uh, one man just said this week that the Boy Scouts now got to allow openly homosexuals to be able to be scoutmasters. Why? Because they want you little boys. They want your children. They want to pervert them. They want to twist them. And uh, so I'm just telling you how bad our society is. And Joe Biden made this comment this week. He says, the LGBT crowd... Uh, is hindered because of Bible-believing Christians existing. They want to take away our existence. That's what they want to do. That's what your Georgetown University, Jesuit, Vatican, Knight of Malta, Vice President says about Bible-believing Christians, we hinder what they want done by simply existing. Existing. They want to take away your existence. How they do that? Cut your head off. I'm just trying to tell you. And Barack Obama, when he got in office, he said to the homosexual crowd, he said, well, I should say not homosexuals, sodomite crowd. When he said to that sodomite crowd out there, he said, I'll be your fiercest advocate. Means I'll do everything I can. And guess what happened in Ireland yesterday? Ireland now voted 62% to make gay marriage legal. I'm telling you, this whole world's perverted. The Antichrist is a pervert. He don't like to regard the, the natural use of a woman. Uh, and that whole crowd, <laughs> you say what you want, that whole crowd is in the pedophilia. Islam is in the pedophilia. You ought to log on to the website, now then begins, and look at that website about the real teachings of Islam and how they're in the pedophilia. And they show an imam French kissing a little boy with other boys all gathered around him. I'm, I'm trying to tell you we're living in a perverted society and I've seen a picture of Putin, the governor, the prime minister of uh, Russia, amen, and he's got a nine-year-old boy shirt up and he's kissing his belly. Pedophilia runs rampant through our governments, through, our, through the Catholic Church, 
through Islam and they're wanting to do it to your children in that federal public school right over there, I'm telling you, they're wicked, they're vile, they're wretched. You know what they want to do? They want to take away my liberty to say what I just said. They just turned over the, UN, the, the, the internet and YouTube. They're turning it over. John Kerry says the UN government must take control of that thing right there from me saying what I'm saying and preaching from that book right there, the King James Bible. They want to regulate me and call me a hater. You're right, I do hate their sin. And I hate anybody to want to pervert a little child. Yep. Amen. You say, I can't believe you said you hate them. I hate all the enemies of God with a perfect hatred according to Psalm 139 like David did. Mm -hmm. Amen. You know what happens in Psalm 45? You know what happened in Psalm 45? He said, Thou lovest righteousness and hateth iniquity. I love righteousness. I hate iniquity. That, that is so iniquitous. That is so vile. That is so filthy. That is so ungodly. And they want to promote that junk on television and through Disney. You look at every one of them Disney kids. You look at Britney Spears, Madonna, and uh, Katy Perry. Can I throw something out there? We, we can preach this morning, can't we? Yeah. You know what I've seen? And I, and I believe it. I'm fixing to twist your hair. You know who Katy Perry is? John Benet Ramsey. Check it out. Check it out. Check out Katy Perry's parents and see who they are and see the disguise that they got on now. And Katy Perry is John Benet Ramsey. Amen. And, and they're in a satanic cult and Satanism. And, and Katy Perry, they said, was raised in a Christian home and now she's worshiping the devil. And Miley Cyrus and all that whole crowd and, and all them, all that satanic junk they got through Walt Disney, which was a Satanist, which is an Illuminatist, that Disney signs his name 666. But I tell you what, all that Satanism and all that junk and all this Harry Potter junk and every one of them, and Hollywood's filled with pedestry. And they abuse them kids and abuse them kids and abuse them kids and abuse them kids, and they turn them over to Satan and they drink blood. They're drinkers of blood. I tell you, y'all don't want to say stuff. But nothing, we can't say that in church anymore. We're reverent. We want to put on blinders and earplugs. And we don't want to go to church and hear that kind of stuff. Because we just enjoy Hollywood too much. You know what I want? I want the Word of God to have a free course. You know what they don't want? They don't want me preaching this book and telling you the truth. So I'm telling you. That's why they want to ban it. That's why Barack Obama, John Kerry, and everybody, and Hillary, and all them want us to shut up. Where you got some Republicans, which most of them are just as bad, but you got a bunch of them. That's one thing I voted for Romney for, which I probably, they're probably all selections, but the reason I voted for Romney, it, yeah, he's a Mormon. I'm against Mormonism. But he believed that I could stand on a soapbox on the street corner and preach what I believe. As long as I gave the same right to stand up on his corner and preach, you got to wear funny underwear or pedal bicycle to try to have heaven. Because he's a Mormon. And they believe you got that, that underwear is their, their little fig leaf that Adam rejected over there in the garden. And it's got the sonic emblems and everything on it. And they're trying to earn their way into heaven. They believe baptismal regeneration. And they put their missionaries on bicycles for two years. Trying to merit eternal life by works. But I believe the freedom in America is we each get a soapbox. We each got liberty to be able to preach according to the Constitution, right? But they want to take away my freedom to preach that book. They want to run the church underground. They want to make it exempt and get rid of it. We need, you know what we need to pray for? We have liberty to be able to preach this book with free cores. Free cores. 
I want to be able to free, to be able to witness and stand up. They don't want us to have a voice. They want to say what they want to say, but they don't want to hear the opposing side. Why do you think Barack Obama's trying to do right now? He's trying to limit free speech. And if you'll vote for him, you'll put money on their side. Listen, they're trying to make it a crime for you to disagree with their beliefs. They can disagree with yours all day long, and they can stand up, and they got microphones, they got the press, and they can declare you an idiot and a heretic and everything else and burn you, but then that's what they do. They silence free speech. We're praying that the Word of God might have what? Free course. Now watch this. And be what? They don't want to score find that book. <laughs> Amen. The King Jacob's Bible, the King Israel's Bible, the authorized version, the one that's the true authority, the final authority of all matter of faith and practice. They don't want that glorified. I, I believe in glorifying it. Now watch this. Even it is with you, verse 2, and that they may what? That we may be delivered from unreasonable wicked men, for all men have not what? <laughs> That's what we need to pray. We need to pray that we'll be delivered from wicked and unreasonable men. All those people I've been mentioning and, and, and all those infidels, they're, they're unreasonable men. You cannot reason with them. They've lost reason. That man that I kicked out of church here a couple of weeks ago, hey man, he was unreasonable. Not that we disagreed, but he was unreasonable. He wouldn't listen. And I told him he needed to take a hike. Right, Miss Susan? I told him to take a hike, didn't he? Wicked and unreasonable, wicked or unreasonable wicked men for all men not have faith. Verse three, but the Lord is what faithful. Thank God He's faithful. Thank God we can rely on Him. Thank God I can trust Him. I can believe His book. I can believe the truth of the Word of God. He's faithful. He'll do what He said He's going to do. Amen. I've done found out that God keeps His word. But the Lord is faithful, who shall establish you and keep you from what evil. I'm not going through the tribulation. <laughs> Verse 4, and we have confidence in the Lord touching you, that you both do and will do the things that we command you. Oh, he's taking orders from somebody. Huh. And the Lord direct your hearts into the love of God and into the patient what? Waiting for Christ. Father, we love you. Thank you, Lord, for being so good and kind to us. We ask you to bless the word of God now in Jesus' name. Amen. Patient waiting for Christ. Listen, I got saved 35 years ago. I listened to the second coming of Jesus Christ about the locusts coming up out of that bottomless pit, amen. And uh, I got saved believing that at that time they said Jesus would be here by 1982. <laughs> amen, guess what? 1982's done come and gone, amen, and I'm still here. 88 reasons to get saved in 88, <laughs> come and gone. 89, Dr. Rubin was teaching years ago, he said it's a guess, G-U-E-S-S, -S, a guess. That's all he said it was, guess. Well, 1989's done come and gone. 1991 is coming gone. Amen. 1993 is coming gone. Right? 1998, 40 years from 48, Israel being a nation, is coming gone. Year 2000, Y2K is coming gone. 2011, 70 years. Amen. From the uh, 400 years from the King James Bible. Amen. To 2011, 400 years. Coming gone. 70 years is a generation. Minus uh, from 1948 to 2018. Back seven years for the tribulation period, put it 2011. It's come and gone. Guess what? Pentecost, come and gone. Still here. You know what we got to do? We got to patiently wait for him to come back. I believe he's coming in the spring. I believe he, according to Song of Solomon, chapter number two. Amen. He's coming in the spring. 
Amen. After the rain's come and gone, the flowers here do appear, and that fig tree blossoms and buds, and you know summer is nice, just before summer. Listen, we still got to June 21st for spring. Maybe my maybe our Pentecost dates are messed up according to his Pentecost dates. But the song the bride is called away in Song of Solomon chapter 2. And it's in the springtime when she's called out. So well, if the Lord tarries, he tarries. So let's go to Matthew 24. Matthew chapter number 24. I got a simple little message. Introduction was a little hard, but I got a simple message. To try to encourage the saints. Amen. I'm not looking for the man of sin, though I enjoy seeing all the different types of Antichrist appear. Amen. That guy in Greece, Alex, that guy showed up. He's got some types. Uh, the guy, Egdoran, or whatever his name is, the, the Turkish president, claims he's God and he's healing people. And he's doing it all in the name of Allah. And a bunch of people are saying, hey, we're going to have a Turkish uh, Muslim Antichrist. Well, uh, I don't care about that. And then people are pointing towards Prince Williams. And there's a lot of things pointing towards Prince Williams. When you see Prince Charles and you see Prince Williams, you type in, you search the internet and everything, type in Prince Charles' coat of arms and look at that. See what that guy did on that study. Amen. It's got, it's got the, the body of a leopard, the feet of a bear, the mouth of a lion. It's got the three ribs out of his mouth. It's got Satan there. It's got the seven crowns. It's got the little horn. It's got everything on, on, on Prince Charles' thing appearing to be the savior of the world. And Prince Williams, everybody's looking at that. He turns 33 in June. <laughs> so a lot of people are looking that way. And he rises up out of the sea and England's out of what? It's an island surrounded by the sea, and he rises up out of the sea. Hmm. Something to think about, huh? Hey, man, he's got Muslim connections. In fact, right over there in Washington, D.C. Anybody know where Washington, D.C. is? Hello? You guys don't like my little side rabbit tails I'm tracing to you, right? You know, anybody know where Washington, D.C. is at? Where's it at? It's in America, right? District of Columbia, right? What state's it in? Maryland. Maryland. You know anybody that loves Mary, worships Mary? Huh? Catholics. It is something. It's in Maryland. Guess what county it's in? Prince Williams. You think that's just a coincidence? Prince William County in Maryland. And Prince Williams is a knight of Malta. And Queen Elizabeth is a knight of Malta. And that's the head of the Jesuits. It's just a coincidence that how many of our presidents, like Jeb Bush, George Bush, and Prescott Bush, and George Will, they're Knights of Malta. They're dedicated to the Catholic Pope. Huh? I've seen pictures of Jeb Bush bowing down in the lap of Benedict. They're all doing the Catholics' bidding. Bill Clinton. All those guys. I'm trying to tell you, deception's out there. And who the possibility of the next Antichrist might be? Barack Obama's a great type. He's a great type. Not necessarily him. You read Isaiah 14 dealing with Lucifer and it deals with the Antichrist in that passage. You put Barack Obama in there, it's pretty good. Especially when the word heights is Obama. And then you go, I beheld Satan in Luke chapter number 10. I beheld Satan follows lightning. And that word lightning in the Greek is Barack. I beheld Satan follows Barack. Hmm. <laughs> Barack Obama connected with Lucifer and Satan. Hmm. Pretty good type. He said, where'd you get that? Studying? I'm just trying to tell you, there's three, there's three entities that are governments all by themselves that control all the world's money. Washington, D.C., right? London, London, where the Rothschilds are at. Washington, D.C., you got the Federal Reserve. 
Then you got London, London, where the Rothschilds are at. And then you got the Vatican State. And they all control the world's wealth. And they're all in charge. And they're coming together. You got Barack Obama out of, out of the United States. You got the Prince William's family over there in England. And then you got the Pope coming out. And he's a Jesuit. He's the black Pope. He's a superior general which runs the Vatican. I saw the woman, the Roman Catholic Church, sit upon a scarlet-colored beast. And he's a pedophile. Well, I tell you what, we, listen, it's all coming to pass. It's all coming to pass. It's coming down. Well, listen, folks, I don't know which man is going to be. The man of sin is going to step up and be the one. But I'm telling you, it's fixing to happen. Matthew chapter number 24, verse 42. Watch therefore, for you know not what hour your Lord doth come. But know this, that if good men in the house had known what watch, that meant the thief would come, he would have watched, and would not have suffered his house to be broken up. Verse 44. Therefore be also ready for such an hour as you think not, Amen, the Son of Man coming. Now, this is dealing with the tribulation period. This is dealing with the mid-trib rapture, not the church rapture. Church ain't even here. But, like we had written down here, there's a spiritual application. Historical application, that's a trib, right? Doctrinal application, or historical application, that's Jesus talking to the disciples. Historical application, or doctrinal application, that's in a tribulation period. Spiritual application is part of the first resurrection. So there's types and things that we can learn from each part of the resurrection. And this is the, the, the then come at the end. Crowds and trip saints. Watch what it says, verse 45. When then, or who then is that faithful and wise servant whom the Lord hath made ruler over his house to give them meat in due season? Blessed is that servant whom the Lord, when he cometh, shall find so doing. Verily I say unto you that he shall make him ruler over all his goods. Amen. But, and if that evil servant shall say in his heart, my Lord, what? Delayeth. You know what he's done? He's delayed his coming again. He's delaying it. Amen. The Lord is delaying. We're to wait patiently for his coming, his return. He's delayed it. He's putting it off a little bit longer. There's things that God's still allowing to line up. So while it's delayed, what are we supposed to do? Right? Look at what it says. The Lord delayed this coming and shall begin to smite his fellow servants and eat and drink with the drunkard. So what we're supposed to do is backslide when the Lord, since the Lord ain't showed up, right? We're supposed to go out, go to North Dixie down here, have a few beers, right? Huh? We're supposed to go to the casino and spend away our 401k, right? No! We're supposed to get mad and kick the dog and beat the wife and the kids, right? No, we're not supposed to turn and quit doing what's right because the Lord's delayed is coming. Just because the whole world's falling apart and this whole thing's coming apart at the seams doesn't mean we give in and cave in. Just because church after church and Bible college after Bible college is turning their way from the truth and turning away from Christ does not mean we quit. Amen. Does not mean we give up. Just because they don't sell the stuff, amen, at the bookstores anymore and they're getting rid of what we believe, we don't quit. Amen. Verse 50, the Lord of that servant shall come in a day when he looketh not for him. And an hour that he's not aware shall cut him asunder with the and appoint him with his portion with the hypocrites and there shall be weeping. And, amen. And gnashing of teeth. That's dealing with the tribulation period. That's dealing with Israel. The remnant is not dealing with us, but there's a type there. We don't lose our salvation. We don't get appointed, appointed a place to go burn in the lake of fire. When Jesus Christ comes back, 
and he comes, a fire proceeds before him, and when he comes back and that fire is proceeding before him, amen, he sets that dead sea on fire. And Isaiah chapter number 13, Isaiah 34, Indumia, that land of Edom, turns into fire. And when you read Isaiah 66, 24 over there, he makes everybody for five weeks that comes up to Jerusalem to him in the millennium pass by and look on the carcasses that's in that fire and says, look at all them that wanted their iniquity and their transgressions. Look at them. And according to Luke chapter number 12, they get bound, body and soul, body and soul, and cast alive in the lake of fire. And they will pass by, and the people that come out of the tribulation and go into the millennium will pass by, and they'll have to look on the carcasses, and then they're burning in hell. That's what he's dealing with right there. That's not the church, but this is the tribulation. And he's telling you, when he comes, and that thing's set on fire, he'll take it, and he'll cast it into a literal fire. That's why I got saved. <laughs> I don't want no part of that. But there's a type here, a spiritual application we can get out of it. What? He's delaying his coming. So now that he's delayed his coming, now that we're patiently waiting for Christ, what must we do? Amen? As children of God, as saints, as part of the body of Christ, what must we do? Amen? Amen. This is the one you guys are going to really like. Amen? Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter number 7. 2 Corinthians chapter number 7. You're to keep improving. <laughs> You're to keep improving. Don't, don't you like that? What are you supposed to do? You're to prove your Christianity. You're to bump it up a notch. You're to take it to the next level. If you're in fourth grade, go to fifth. If you're in fifth, go to sixth. If you're in high school, amen, get ready for college spiritually. I believe Christianity has levels in it. And there's a bunch of them that get born and get put in a nursery. Then one day it comes to daycare. Amen. Get out of daycare. They go into preschool. And they go to preschool. They go to kindergarten. Go from kindergarten. They go to first, second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth grade. Elementary. Then they leave elementary. Go to junior high. Go from junior high. Go to high school. From high school they go to postgraduate. I don't know what level you're at in your Christianity. But we got to improve. we got to go on. we got to learn more. we got to climb high. Amen. I want to be a 4.0 Christian when I stand before Jesus Christ. Yeah. I don't want to be a D student. Amen. I want us to be a C student. I may wind up a D minus, but I'm striving for a 4.0. Amen. I'm not trying to work my way to heaven. Because I'm going to heaven, I'm trying to have good works. I want to be a faithful preacher, a faithful husband, a faithful witness, a faithful preacher and teacher. I want to stand against the things God's against. I want to stand for the things that God's for. I want to be what He wants me to be. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to improve my prayer life. I'm going to improve my Bible study. I'm going to improve my studies. I'm going to, we're going down to day TV, amen, the 4th and 5th of next month, and we're going to try to get on Dayton's television stations. I'm going to be on Brunswick television station up there, Bat TV. These young men are trying to learn how to improve our videos. They're going to get on Bible pro, or a program down there to learn how to put Photoshop and, and make our videos proper and right. Not correct them, but to be able to make them right so somebody be attracted to hear us. No, we're doing, we're going to be improving. We're going to be finding ways to try to get out there and reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. God just gave me an idea for another gospel track. I was just penning some things down. I'm going to try to write another gospel track. Why? Because I'm going to try to reach sinners. We still got time. Yeah. Ain't all in the boats. What are you doing trying to improve? 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 1. Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, 
Let us cleanse ourselves from all the filthiness of the flesh and spirit. Perfecting holiness in the fear of God. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to try to perfect holiness. I'm going to clean my life up instead of loosen it up. I'm going to draw closer to Christ instead of running far from Him. I'm going to improve my standards instead of cut down my standards. I'm not going to quit serving God and run around naked on a beach somewhere when I'm supposed to be in church. Amen. Hello. I ain't throwing my standards out the window because Jesus is delaying His coming. Just because Baptist preachers are throwing their standards away and no longer believe the Bible doesn't mean I throw them away. Right? Hello. I keep improving. Improving. I'm challenging you to improve your Christianity. Improve your Bible reading. Improve your Bible memorization. Improve your studies. Improve your prayer time. Update your prayer list and pray. Spend more time in prayer. Amen. Update your soul winning. Amen. Say, what's that? Speak more for Christ. Amen. Number two. <laughs> Amen. You ready? You liking this? I'm liking it. Keep inspiring others. Amen. You know how this book was given? This book was given by inspiration. Amen. You know how, you know what they call these? They call them inspiration. Inspire, inspiration. Inspiring. In spirit. Right? Amen. The word of God came how? By the spirit of God. Not just God. This is all guys. Very narrowly, plenary word of God. God breathed. No. Inspired came by the Spirit of God. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. You know what I do? Keep speaking the Word of God. Inspire. Keep encouraging people to, to, to walk with God and stand with God. Amen. Breathe spirit into people. So how do you do that? You encourage them in the Word of God. You know what we're supposed to do? We heard all last week. Amen. Edify, 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 edify. What's that? Build each other up. Yeah, things are getting hard. Amen. The dollar may disappear. Amen. We may head to a FEMA camp. But preach on. Amen. Be faithful. Oh, amen. So what are they? I'm thinking about getting a tattoo. I don't believe in tattoos. But I'm thinking about getting one. So it's cut on the dotted line. So when I see them Muslims, amen. So here. Just don't miss line up. Hello. <laughs> amen. So what happens if they march you out in the street, cut your head off? Praise God. Amen. So kids. I'm going to show you. Be faithful. Serve. Amen. Cut it off. What if they pull me out and they tie my hands up and they put a 45 in the back of my head and say, Lord, I'm coming home. <laughs> huh? Amen. I'm not afraid to die. It's how I'm going to die. You know, if they put me out in front of a steamroller and they say, all right, start his feet, flatten them out like a pancake. I don't know if I'll enjoy that. Hello? I don't know how you're going to die. But you know what? I... The, the guillotines, that's that's good. I like that. Yeah. And uh, a 45 in the back of the head, I like that. I, I take that. Hello. Amen. Bury me in a hole, put honey on my head, and jump in a bucket of fire ants on me. I don't I don't like that idea too much. Amen. <laughs> 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 right? Done to tie me up and drag me behind a police car? I don't like that idea. I mean, that's what they did years ago. They, they, they tortured Christians so bad in so many ways. You read the Fox and the Book of Martyrs, what they did to saints? Boy, some of them, boy, they're going to shine. They're going to reign. They're going to reign with Christ. My soul. Tearing their bodies apart. Ripping their stomach open. Letting animals eat their guts out and then killing them alive. Amen. Boiling them. Amen. Putting them on hot steel plates. Roasting them in iron. I mean, putting them on a rack and stretching them. Hanging them up. I'm telling you, that's to cutting their fingernails off. Joint by joint. Sticking, I mean, putting their eyes out. Cutting their ears off. 
I told him many times, Brother Ralph, there's a guy in, the field, or in South Africa. He smiled all the time and saved. He'd smile everywhere he went. Those people got so bad he smiled so much they cut his lips. They cut his lips around where all his teeth showed. So every time you see him, all you see is all his teeth. They said, you want to smile so much? We'll fix you. And he cut his lips off. And then he cut his eyelids off so his eyes would stay open so he can't ever see or can't ever blink, can't ever watch. That's all for Jesus. I hope I'm faithful when that happens. You know what that guy does? He inspires me to stand for God. He's still serving God. He's inspired me. We, I showed you those pictures from the voices of the martyr. That girl had her face burned for being a Christian. They come and burn her up, and her face is all messed up. She loves Jesus. That's my sister. I'm going to stand way in the back, man. That girl's got some glorious rewards in the millennium. You know what? She's still serving God in spite of being burned. Well, I'll tell you what. There's some wicked people out there that hate Christians. And you know what? We've got to be faithful and inspire one another to live. And I'm inspiring my wife and my children. And if it comes down to it, I'll encourage them. Die for Christ! I don't want to save my neck. You understand? I don't want to say, I want to inspire people to live for God. In spite of government, tyrannical fear. Live for Christ. You know what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did? They said, bow down. They're taking it captive. They're taken captive by Nebuchadnezzar. And you know what Nebuchadnezzar said? He said, bow down and worship my statue. Type of thing that's going to happen in the tribulation. You know what? And they wouldn't bow. They said, King, we ain't careful about answering this. We ain't full of care. He said, we're not careful. That means full of care. We're not, we're not worried about it. You know what, King? You can do whatever you want to do. We ain't bowing down and worshiping that. Did you want to burn us? Burn us. We ain't dying. One way or the other, God's going to deliver us. We will be delivered out of your hand this day. One way or the other. Be it known unto you, O king, we ain't bow. Oh, man, what a, what, a, what a thing. Them boys wouldn't bow. You know what he did? He got so mad, turned the furnace up seven times higher, threw him in the fire. Jesus met him in the fire. <laughs> you know what? The captors, the ones that threw him in, got burned up. They didn't even have to smell smoke on them when they come out of there. Their cords would burn up. Didn't have smell smoke on them. They were in their fellowship with Jesus in the fire. Amen. Right? And they spit him off. And that blew that king's mind away. Daniel told him, you can't pray. He went home, kicked the windows open. Right in front of everybody. Yeah. Daniel got down and said, I know it's illegal now to pray. But Father, I love you. And I come to you in Jesus' precious name. I'm, <laughs> he didn't say that, but that's the way I would pray. They make praying illegal. You can stand up and pray publicly in front of people like they tell you not to. You know what they did with the apostles in Acts chapter number 4? They said, no longer speak or teach or preach in this name. You know what they said? You can do whatever you want to do, but we got to obey God rather than men. And they whipped him. Took their whip, and then they went and they rejoiced. Ha, 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 we was whipped for Jesus. He was whipped for us, but we got whipped for him. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. And they went out and they preached. What were they doing? They was inspiring others to live for God. They didn't let the difficulty stop them. Jesus said, count it all joy when you fall to divers' temptations. Amen. Rejoice and leap for joy. Amen. Why? Because you've been counted worthy to suffer. He said, great will be your reward in heaven. <laughs> they laughed at me. I never passed the track out again. I was laughed at. <laughs> I won't mention his name no more. Why? Because you passed out the track? Because you dared bow your head in public and ask Jesus to pray over your food? We can't take persecution, can we? 
You know what we're supposed to do? We're supposed to inspire others to live for God. And maybe your stand would encourage others to come out of the woodwork. You say, Caleb will stand, I'll stand. Cindy will stand, I'll stand. Ralph will stand, I'll stand. He can take a little heat, I can take something. A bunch of Christians are cowing down. You know, I listen, I'm not trying to stick feathers in my kids' hats. They're, they're still under my roof. But I tell you what, every church we go to, when we walk in, they see my kids and they see them singing, they hear their testimonies and things like that. They're inspired that there's kids that are still living for God. I said, you can't do it, preacher. You can't make kids live godly. Do I make you live godly? Well, they don't answer that. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. They got boundaries. And I said, in these decisions right here, this area, you can make all your decisions in that area. I give them liberty, but there's an area. I don't let them get outside this area and make choices. While they're living under my roof, there's areas that they got they got boundaries. My backyard's fenced in. If they want to be in a neighbor's yard to trespass. Right? They're, they got an area they're, they're supposed to live. That's their yard. And we got areas in our house. There's boundaries. And I told them where the boundaries are. They're not ignorant of the boundaries. They have liberty. Amen? But they want to get outside those boundaries, they're trespassing. Ain't that what you call it? Trespassers? Hello. We all got boundaries. Amen? But you know what I'm doing? I'm inspiring them to live for God. You said, how? Because daddy's still going on. Brother Ralph, I preached here for two years without a visitor. Just to my wife and my kids four times a week. I've heard preachers that sit back and say, there's no way you can sit back and preach four times a week. It's impossible to hold a job. I've been holding a job working 50 plus hours a week for 26 years. And preaching and went to the jails for years and went around uh, a couple different countries and went around this nation preaching the gospel. Those kids know one thing. Daddy's the real deal and daddy practices what he preaches. And they say you can't do it. We've been living it. And I'm showing them they got a daddy that can live it. And you know what? When daddy messes up, daddy gets mad, daddy gets in the flesh, daddy has knelt down, and I put my head in that little girl's lap and wept my eyes out, begged her to forgive me for daddy messing up. Say so what? They know their daddy lives it. And they know where their daddy fails. And she knows where I'm a hypocrite. But you know what I try to do? I try to encourage them to live for God and do right no matter what. And if I die tonight, go on and serve for Jesus. What are you trying to do? Inspire people to live for God? That's what it's all about. I ain't trying to push people away. I'm trying to get them out of sin. Trying to get them to quit chasing the world. Quit following the devil. Amen. Follow righteousness and holiness. Just trying to inspire people to get the junk out and get God in. Inspire. Next. This is one I'm going to really improve on. You guys ready? Amen. Keep inviting people. Luke chapter number 14. Luke chapter number 14. We got the scriptures right over there on the wall. I was looking at them the other night at prayer time. Amen. And uh, I was looking at them. Luke chapter number 14. He says over here in verse 16, and he said unto them, or unto him, a certain man made a great supper and bade many. And his servant, or he sent his servant at supper time to say unto them that were bid, Come, for all things are now ready. 
And they all with one excuse. Who made excuse? All. And they all with one excuse began to make, or with one consent began to make excuse. And the first said on him, I have bought a piece of ground, and I must needs go and see it. And I pray that he have me excused. He allowed his land to come in between him and God. Next. And I, another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen, and I go to prove them. I pray that he have me excused. He wound up putting labor ahead of God. And then, verse 20, and another said, I have married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. He put love in the way to make an excuse why he can't serve God and come. One put land, one put labor, one put love. Ain't that something? Look at what it says, verse 21. So that servant came and showed him um, and his Lord these things. And then the master of the house, being angry, said to the servant, Go out quickly and in the streets and into the lanes of the city and bring hither the poor, the maimed, and the halt, and the blind. And the servant said, Lord, it is done as thou hast commanded, yet there is room. And the Lord said unto that servant, Go out into the highways and hedges and compel them to come into my house, maybe full. You know God wants? God wants a full house. You know what I'm going to set the deal and try to invite, bring more people to Christ than I ever had before. I'm not one, two, three, repeat after me, God. Amen. But I want to tell them about Christ. I want to invite them to come. I want to offer them the opportunity. I plan on praying more and fasting more and doing more than I've ever done, trying to get people to come to Christ. Didn't say they'd listen. It said they all make excuses, didn't they? But God says, I ain't got no excuse for not inviting. I don't have no excuse. Lord, I wanted to watch the ball game. Lord, I, I wanted to sleep. Okay. Lord, I, I'd rather work and make a bunch of money. Okay. Listen, I ain't supposed to be making excuses. I'm a child of God. I'm the servant. I'm supposed to go and compel. I have no excuses. I don't have no excuses. You know what I'm supposed to do? I'm supposed to invite. Right? I'm, I'm a Pauline Christian. You, Paul, Anybody here a Pauline Christian? I'm a Pauline Christian. Guess what I'm supposed to do? I'm supposed to sow seed, right? I'm supposed to sow seed, right? Or maybe Brother Ralph's out there sowing seed. And then I come along my water pot and I water the seed, <laughs> right? And I'm watering all those seeds. And then it says God give the increase. It's up to him to increase it. It's up to him to bless it. But I'm supposed to sow the seed and I'm supposed to water the seed. <laughs> Amen. I'm supposed to be involved in inviting people. You invite people. Who are you inviting? You invite him to Christ. You invite him to church. Listen, I understand there's a bunch of people turning churches into circuses and making a carnival, trying to get people to come in. And one, two, three, repeat after me. And then you never see no change in their life. I understand all that. But I don't want circus Baptist church. I don't want carnival Baptist church. I don't want country club Baptist church. You understand? I want a church to be a church where they hear the preaching of the word of God and they get the instruction they need, they get challenged and they find a sanctuary to get out of this thinking <laughs> world and be able to get the help that they need to be able to grow their Christian life. Amen. Next, not only are we supposed to keep improving, not only are we supposed to keep inspiring, not only are we supposed to keep inviting, St. Corinthians chapter number nine. St. Christians chapter number nine. Second Corinthians chapter number nine. I'm going to keep investing. Amen. I ain't worried about 401k. I don't cancel my 401k years ago. This is my investment right here. Amen. I invest in this work. I invest in the men. I invest in the gospel. I invest in Bibles. 
Amen. I'm building my millennial kingdom inheritance. It's not, I'm not laying up money for myself. Look at verse 6. 2 Corinthians 9, verse 6. But this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall what? Reap also sparingly. He that soweth bountifully shall reap bountifully. I seen Bobby Brindle, a midget, the world's shortest evangelist, stand up and preach. When he got done, he was standing on top of the pulpit, had all his pockets out. And he says, he that sowed George's. And he threw a dollar bill. And then he grabbed a couple dollar bills. He said, well, reap George's. And little George. And then he goes, but he that sowed bountifully. <laughs> I mean, he just told money. He said, well, reap bountifully. <laughs> and he was throwing money. And then he said, he threw a couple pennies out. He that sowed sparingly. Threw a couple more pennies out. He said, well, reap sparingly. But then he had pockets full of change. And he said, but he sowed bountifully. <laughs> he started throwing the money. He said, well, reap bountifully. And he was rolling in that money and throwing it all over the place. And that night he raised $17,000 for the cost, somebody's cause. You know what? I'm just trying to tell you. I'm trying to sow and invest in men's lives. So that we might have, listen, we had that brother Sexton here, this guy in a couple weeks ago. You know what we did? We invested in him. You say, why? Because he's trying to go to Scandinavia and tell people about Jesus Christ. Amen? Craig Cobb, an evangelist, trying out to do the work of God. Amen. Ron Hanson, our missionary that we support, trying to do something for God. Jared McScovic, amen, a young man over there in Mexico, him and his wife, out there trying to do things to reach sinners. You know what we're doing? Victory Bible Press, trying to help Humberto Gomez get his Bible, Spanish Bible, amen, to Mexicans and Spanish-speaking people. Johnny Campbell over there trying to carry the mail for God, trying to invest in him to help him. We want to invest in Philip Gabbard. We're trying to help uh, Brother Jackie go to Indonesia to reach them Muslims with Christ. We got a little church. We pay $1,000 a month here to try to keep the doors open here. God's been blessing that thing. June 9th will be 10 years. So what? Investing in the lives of people. Hello. This week we invested in David Peacock. We put money in an offering plate over there. And then Eric Molitor, a guy that was a Filipino missionary, married a girl going to China as a missionary. God called them back home because Christian brethren failed to meet their needs. And they had to come back to the States to be able to try to get a job to pay debts and bills off that they encountered when they was in the Philippines. Because support got dropped. Because Christians thought it was more important to buy DVDs and video games, amen, and buy all kinds of toys yep. in this life. Right. And fill their cupboards and their cabinets and their garages and their basements so full of stuff that they can't even move around in there. And missionary, we got to cancel you because we got we just got to have junk. You don't understand. We got to invest $3,500 in Christmas so my kids can have a bunch of stuff they'll never play with. Why don't they do like Danny Farley did at Christmas? You said, what did Danny Farley do at Christmas? He watched. He watched his three boys. And he watched everything that the parents bought and all the family bought the kids. And there were certain gifts that the kids played with and there were certain gifts that the kids didn't play with. So he took all the gifts that the kids didn't play with and gathered them up, took them back to the store, cashed them in. And he opened up a savings account and he said, boy number one, boy number two, boy number three. And he put the money all them gifts that they wouldn't play with, and he put the money in the bank. When the boys turned 18 and graduated from high school, they all were able to buy a pickup truck with the toys and stuff that he wouldn't play with. Instead of just filling his cupboards and his stuff and having garage sales every year, he said they don't play with it, they don't miss it, it's gone, and he turned around and he invested in an investment for them boys. You know what he did? He wised up. He said, you know what? They don't need all that stuff. He didn't say they couldn't have stuff. He said they just don't need all the junk that they get. You understand? How many games that you got in your house that the kids played one or two times and stuck in a shell? 
How much stuff did we got that everybody bought you that they had to buy you because it was your birthday or it was Christmas or it was some event that you got stacked away somewhere and you got no room in your house for? Because everybody's got to spend money on everybody to keep everybody satisfied because we're all so covetous and we got to have things. And instead of investing in the gospel, we're investing in Walmart and Kmart and Sears and Pennies and GMC and Ford and everybody else and we're not investing in the gospel. All our preacher wants is money. Last time I, I, I looked, amen, all them restaurants over there, they want money. And the last time I checked, every coupon that comes in my house is people want money. And the last time I checked, every time you watch a football game, basketball game that's loaded with commercials and all they want your money. Everybody wants your money. All these carnivals. There ain't one carnival, amen, in the state of Ohio or amusement park in the state of Ohio that's ever received one penny from Cliff Parks. I don't go to carnivals. I don't waste money in all that junk. I invested in men's lives and in the gospel. You said you're robbing your kids. Have I really hurt my kids? Have I hurt you because I didn't allow you to waste 50 bucks throwing in a bunch of junk to get a little stuffed animal? I go over here to Walmart buy her stuffed animal. She needs one that bad. And save a whole lot of money investing in missions. You understand? I'm not trying to be sarcastic. I'm trying to be wise as a serpent. A serpent and harmless as a dove. I'm talking about investing in the lives of people. And Eric Malter was there, and they don't have a job, and somebody sent me a $20 bill, and that $20 bill went from my hand into his. I said, here, it's a little something, man. Buy a sandwich or something. Trying to help people. Investing in others. Phil Kidd's got a message out there about investing in losers. Hey, man, trying to help people. So what are you trying to do, invest? Let's go on. Let's read this passage. You know, there's two chapters in your Bible, in the Pauline Epistles, that's totally dedicated on your finances. 2 Corinthians chapter number 8, 2 Corinthians chapter number 9. And you know what? Most people don't ever want to read about their money because the love of money is the root of. So we can't talk about money in our churches, but yet they want to build. And what preachers are doing, we can't get it for foreign missions, so let's build us a gymnasium. And you know how many preachers are a million dollars in debt and they can't afford it and they resign their church and they leave that little congregation of people with all this huge debt? They think building a building is going to get people in. This I say unto you, he was so sparingly shall reap also sparingly, he was so bountifully shall reap bountifully. Verse 7, every man according as he what? Purpose in his heart. It's up to you how you're going to invest. It's your choice. I'm not saying you have to do it like I do. But I'm telling you, the Spirit of God moves on you. You need to invest in somebody. You understand me? You just got to watch out for the economy. You got to be wise in what you're investing in. Don't send your money to Benny Hand or Ernest Angeli or anything like that. Okay? Don't, don't put it in on the false prophets. Several dollars asking for $64 million to buy a brand new jet. He don't need that. Just get off of that stuff. Amen. <laughs> you understand? We need, we need to invest in the very word of God, getting the people where it's good to go, not to make some television preacher to live in royalty and luxury. We've got to get the gospel to sinners. We've got to get the gospel to sinners. Every man according as he has purpose in his heart. Let's go to verse 8. Oh no, verse 7. Every man is according to the purpose in his heart, so let him what? Give, not grudgingly or necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that ye always having all what? Sufficiency in all things may abound to every good work. You know what God wants? He wants you to abound in every good work. He wants your life invested in good works. Not trying to get saved by doing good works, but because you're saved, he wants you to abound in every good work. How do you do that? You invest in his work. <laughs> right? 
If you invest in his work, he'll invest in you that you'll have what? Sufficiency. He didn't say you have all luxury, right? He didn't say you have all your wants. He said he'd give you all sufficiency that you may abound. You can't abound when you go into debt. Amen. Look at what it says. Verse 9, as it is written, he that what? Dispersed abroad, he hath given to the poor, his righteousness remaineth what? Ever. Now he that ministers seed to the sower, both minister of bread for your food, and multiplied your seed sown, increases the fruit of your righteousness, being enriched in everything to all bountifulness, which causes us, or causes through us thanksgiving to God. So when we support a missionary, that they might have the seeds and the, the things that they need to reach those people, those people are to get saved, and those guys that are reaching those people turn back around and say, thank you for giving to us that we might be able to reach those sinners. Verse 12. For the ministration of this service not only supplies the want of the saints, but is abundant also by the thanksgiving, many thanksgivings unto God. Watch this. Wiles by the what? Experiment. You know what you do? You open up your wallet and you experiment. <laughs> you say, what? I give. Amen? I pull out, blindfold. Stick it in there. You understand? It's an experiment. You know what I did here one day? I took our rent. $1,000 rent. Mailed it away. Mailed it down to Mike Ragland's prayer week. Invested in a week of prayer of men out there praying. Said, what happened? A thousand bucks plus came back to us. Paid our rent. He said, what'd you do? I experimented. I took the rent that we owed on this building and invested in men to pray. And God sent the money for us to be able to keep going. So what'd you do? Experiment. You know what I've done? I've given a thousand dollars away multiple times. Why? Experiment. Just give it away by faith. We was in a meeting one night, me and Mrs. Parks down there in Alabama. And uh, Brother Ronnie got up and he had a guy come up and start raising an offering for the meeting. And God nudged me to give $1,000. And the guy gets up there and said, maybe there's a couple out here that want to give $1,000. And I said, God hit me with that arrow. Stuck me. On the way home, I said, we need to write a check for $1,000. Went back to that service that night and gave Ronnie $1,000. He goes, brother, you can't do that. I said, God told us to do it. He said, man, we weren't talking to you. I said, God said, Somebody needs to give $1,000 out there. We gave it. So I come back home. We go over trying to go buy a fifth wheel and a trailer. We're over there at Tom Rapers. We went out there and we walk in and the wife goes, hey, they're giving away $1,000 free offering over here. She said, you want me to sign up? I said, yeah, sign us up. So I'm out Monday and I'm out getting the lawnmower ready to get started. She goes, Tom Rapers on the phone. Wants to talk to you. So I talked to Tom Rapers. Hello? And they go, you just won $1,000. I said, yeah, what's the catch? He goes, no catch. Come out here. You, you and your family get a check. Take a picture. We're going to give away, give you $1,000. Your name is drawn. We went over there. Tom Raper hands me a check. My picture's still over there. My family. We're standing there. Tom Raper gives us a $1,000 check. He said, what happened? We sold 1000 We ripped 1000 <laughs> well, I'll tell you what. God's good. Where I'm going next week or two weeks, I'm going up to Brother Ireland's. We got in the car. We're heading up I-71. I look over at it. I said, we got a little old church we're going to. Got a couple widow ladies and different things in there. They can't afford it. I said, I'm praying. God, give me a $1,000 offering. She goes, what are you? I said, I said, I'm praying. I just want to see God bless my prayer life, and I want to see God do stuff. I said, I'm praying to give us $1,000. So uh, we get up there. Sunday night, God moves. I mean, God blew through that place. God did some things. Monday night, we had a decent service. 
Tuesday night, Brother Ireland says, Church, I got to apologize to you. He said, uh, Brother Parks, I got to apologize to you. He turned back to me. And he looked and he says, God told me to give you $1,000 the other night. And he says, I didn't do it, but I'm writing you a check for $1,000. You know what I did? I prayed. Because I wanted to see mighty God move and do something. You know what we're doing? We're investing in the lives of people. I'm not just trying to make myself rich. I'm trying to invest in lives of people and do something for God. And I took a step. I experimented. said, there's a thousand. There's a thousand. There's a thousand. What I'm doing, I'm investing. Look at what it says. Wow, that by the experiment of your ministration, they glorify God for your professed subjection to the gospel of Christ and for your liberal what? Distribution unto them on all men. And by their prayer for you, which long after you for the exceeding grace of God has sent you, thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift. You know what I did? I tried to put it in practice. I tried to give to him and try to serve him. Next, and I'll be done. Number five, not only investing in others and investing in the work of God, amen, while we're patiently waiting for Christ, amen, this is the toughest of all of them. Intercede. Amen. You know what we got to do? Second Corinthians chapter, or Second Thessalonians chapter number three, and I'm done. I won't keep you any longer. Amen. Second Corinthians, Second Thessalonians chapter number three. You know what we got to do? We got to intercede for somebody. We got to spend our time. First Thessalonians chapter number three. I'm sorry. First Thessalonians chapter number three. Amen. What are we supposed to do? We are supposed to invest in the lives of people. We're supposed to, while while we're waiting for Christ, improve ourselves inspire others, invite others, invest in others, and then we're supposed to intercede for others. Look at what it says. This is one of the most greatest verses I've ever read in my life in the scriptures. 1 Thessalonians chapter 3 verse 9. Verse 10. Night and day what? Praying exceedingly that we might see your face and might perfect that which is lacking in your faith. You know what people are lacking today? They're lacking in their faith. And I'm supposed to pray night and day exceedingly that I might perfect, complete, mature somebody else's faith. Because they're lacking. They're lacking. You know how many people are lacking today? They're lacking faith. They're lacking hope. They're lacking love. And it's up to me that knows them to be able to pray and intercede how much? Night and day what? Exceeding. As a parent, there must be a space or allotted time limit that Paul believes that you would spend on an individual in prayer. And he says you're to exceed that. There's gray cars all over with blue lights writing people a piece of paper this morning and this afternoon and this weekend for exceeding the speed limit. Going over the speed limit. Right? When is the last time we've gone over the limit in prayer for an individual? Well, they, they only, they're only worthy of five seconds. Well, have you gone 20? <laughs> Wait a minute. How long are we supposed to pray for an individual? There, Paul assumes there's a certain amount of time spent on praying for somebody. And he says, night and day exceedingly pray that he might perfect what's lacking in their faith. Let me ask you a question. How long do you pray over an individual? 
I mean, sincerely pray. If I had a church of 60 people and I spent one minute a day on each individual, that'd be one hour in my prayer time. You think one minute for you is a whole lot? You ever tried it? You ever spent one minute praying over one individual? Just praying for them. Usually it's, Lord, bless my wife and my children today. Thank you, in Jesus' name. Lord, just keep them safe. But I mean, did I really pray for that individual? Father, I come to you in Jesus' name for my wife. I love her and I care for her. And God, help her to grow close to you. Bless her as she reads her Bible today. And, and God, as she searches the scriptures. And, and God, you would empower her and enable her and, and bless her to be the wife that she needs to be. And God, the mother, to impart wisdom and, and have a right spirit that she might reflect the right attitude and spirit towards her children. And that she would teach them character and manners and things. Listen, I've only gone about 30 seconds. How much do I really invest time in prayer for? And then I get upset because her faith is not... How come you're not the super saint, bless God? And then my kids, how much time do I really pray for my kids? Well, they don't live for God. Well, how much time do I pray for them? Night and dates. Do we ever get up to the point where we've maxed out our time limit on praying for somebody, let alone exceed it? I'm talking about real prayer. How much time do people really hold up their preacher's hands? Oh, God, help him peel my hide and get me right with you. Lord, help the preacher bless us today so we get out of church early and beat all the Methodists in the Kentucky Fried Chicken. <laughs> I mean, that's the average prayer. The average prayer is, Lord, bless the lottery ticket I just bought. Amen. I'd be a millionaire. No, they, they don't ever get their little, little measly little tiny paychecks in God. I've been given a paycheck, a portion of scriptures, or a portion of money. How do, I, how do you suggest I spend this? How do you want me to spend my time? How much time during my week do you want me to really spend investing in sinners and inviting sinners and praying for sinners? Father, we love you. Thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to be able to pray. Be able to preach today. Help us to, to improve our life. To put that in the flesh. That the flesh might be crucified. That we might invest in others. And sincerely pray. God, really pray for others. And God, as we implore the scriptures and study them, God, help us to be able to see you in the book. That we might impart something out of the book into us that we might be able to impart it to others. Lord, help us to invest in them and invite them. God, help us to improve in so many areas in our life. Every head's bowed and every eye's closed. Nobody's looking around. The Lord's chariot is coming. Is there areas you need improvement? Why don't you pour it out at his feet today and say, Lord, I want to improve. Why don't you pour it out in your prayer life? Why don't you pour it out in every aspect of your life? Say, God, improve me. In Jesus' name.